This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer. A free-for-all Friday. You're asking to hear something I don't want to say. But if I do say it, I think you ought to hear it. You got anything on your chest besides your chin, you better get it off. All right, then you asked for it. Yes, we did. So lay it on us. Free-for-all Friday means you set the tone. Here is Libby Snymer. Good afternoon and welcome to this Free-for-all Friday, the one, the original Free-for-all Friday, of course, the day where we talk about what you want to talk about. And hey, this just in, we may be at the beginning of a fourth wave, you know. It shouldn't be a surprise for those of us who watch what's happening around the world. Israel, they thought they had the whole thing licked. They abolished uh, mask mandates, excuse me. Uh, They were way getting back to normal and suddenly kaboom, a big spike in cases and they have to deal with that. Now, same thing in Britain, in France. So I don't know why we thought we were going to be immune, though we have a very high vaccination rate. After our very sluggish start, we have a very high vaccination rate, but there are still around 17%, between 17 and 20% of the population who are vaccine hesitant. They need to be convinced to take the shot. And I'm not talking about the anti-vaxxers who... uh, won't be convinced no matter what. They have to be convinced. So how do we do that? Now, uh, a program note on my Sunday show, Zoomer Week in Review, I talked to a woman who has been convinced. Her name is Pettigay Batten. And uh, I don't know, ironically or not, she's the executive assistant to Doris Greenspoon, who was head of the Registered Nurses Association. So imagine it took her a while to be convinced, even though she works among those nurses who are very, very pro-vaccination and have very, very good arguments. So yes, that is a big issue. How do you convince those people? And should there be restrictions? Uh, You know, businesses are grappling with the fact, do they require people to be vaccinated to go back to the office? Uh, We have the University Health Network. I mean, I think most people agree healthcare workers should have mandatory vaccination, but we don't have that. Doug Ford doesn't want it. Uh, And we're seeing measures in the meantime, because I think they will have to relent, where people who are not vaccinated have to have a negative test before they come back to work. And, And hey, if they had to pay for those negative tests, I think that might encourage a lot of people. But we have people waiting on the phones. Let me give the numbers out again. 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-740-4740. Let's begin with Daryl in Toronto. Hi, Daryl. Hi, how are you? Fine. How are you? I'm okay. It's my birthday. Oh, wait a minute. I'm I'm going to give you a bell for that, even though it might not be your first time. Happy birthday, Daryl. Thank you. 
Thank you. Glad to survive this long. So I have a really weird idea. Firstly, I absolutely believe that we're in a lull in between waves. Uh, it's ridiculous to think that what's going on in the rest of the world is, you know, we're immune to it. So my idea is this. Of the people that are unvaccinated, by choice, I would presume a good portion of them feel that their bodies are these sacred temples and that uh, they have an immune system and they're healthy and the immune system was meant to deal with this kind of thing. So while we're in between waves, why are we not sort of inviting these people in a controlled situation to get exposed to it and let their immune systems take over, which would effectively be vaccinating them, I would think. And if they happen to be wrong about their immune system's ability to deal with stuff, while we're in between waves, are we not better off, you know, dealing with them uh, in a hospital? That, that, that smacks of, uh, I don't know, medical experimentation on people. I, I don't think that would pass the ethics well, test. In, in the original thing, people getting the vaccine were volunteers, so this is no different. There is, is not everyone, is the idea not that everyone is going to get exposed to this sooner or later, and the whole emphasis is not to overwhelm the health system at certain times, which is what we call the waves. Well, you know what? It, it's interesting that you mentioned that because Dr. Peter Uni, who is a frequent contributor, a frequent guest on, on this program, said that he believes that everybody who is unvaccinated will get it by the end of next year. But that's very different from uh, exposing them, though I think there were some trials, I forget, they call them challenge trials, mm-hmm. where where volunteers expose themselves. But, you know, right. um, I think what people don't realize is that there's this long-haul COVID, and it doesn't matter if you're young and healthy. We don't know who's going to get a really bad case and who's going to get a mild case. But But, uh, Daryl, thanks for your call, and have a nice weekend, and happy birthday. Who is next here? Sita in Mississauga. Hi, Sita. Hi, Libby. Sorry about the connection on Monday. Okay, no worries. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, People who are working not only with seniors must be vaccinated or don't hire them. People who are people are dying and suffering for years to come because of COVID. Compare that to the vaccine. And if if employers are asking employees to be vaccinated, we all have rights. So what happened then? Why is the government afraid to do so too? Well, exactly. And and um, I keep saying this, but employers are kind of in a rock and a hard place because on the one hand, uh, presumably you can be sued for human rights or discrimination if you, you know, say somebody who's not vaccinated can't work. But on the other hand, you have to provide a safe workplace exactly. and you can be sued for that, too. You know, um, Charles Souza, the former finance minister who is uh, part of our crack strategy panel, he had a great suggestion. He said he thinks the government should indemnify employers against some of these human rights lawsuits. Totally agree. Um, Because if the government can make it mandatory, then give employees the right to do so, so people cannot turn around and sue them 
or uh, whatsoever. You know what? And if if you're going to sue, uh, you know, uh, you you should have a, a long time horizon, and and perhaps deep pockets. If you want to take some kind of human rights case, it takes forever. Yes. So uh, you know, I'm not sure that's a that's a, a practical thing, but it, it you know under current laws, I don't know. You might be able to get certain kinds of compensation. But, yeah, um, and most people feel this way. Sita, thanks for your call. And another thing I, I want to add in, please, if you don't mind. Sure. So this is a pandemic. All from, I feel like all governments from around the world, they have to come together and make ma- vaccine mandatory, with exception, of course. And by doing this, people will be forced to take the vaccine because, hey, they have to go to work. They want to go to the concert. They want to party up. So why not? Okay, Sita, thanks for that. Thank you. Uh, you, you know, um, that's one of the things that John Tory is calling for. He's saying, hey, you know, there are different rules in every municipality and, and people are confused. And that's right. There are different rules in different municipalities for different kinds of workers, and it would be helpful if we had some kind of standard. Uh, let me give the numbers out again. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We've been talking about this breaking news where the authorities think we might be on the cusp of a fourth wave. And uh, the good news is they're extending benefits, serve wage subsidy, rent subsidy. That's good news. Another month of that. Uh, but um, there's also this problem of vaccine hesitancy. We're hitting a plateau, even though we have very high vaccination rates. And people are saying that, you know, with the Delta variant, we need 90% for herd immunity. And I don't know if we're going to get there. Let's go to Sally in St. Catharines. Hi, Sally. Hi, Libby. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good, thanks. First time caller. I did try and call in earlier in the week when we were talking about the vaccine hesitancy, but we ran out of time. Okay. I just gave you the first time bell. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. So I have a situation in my family and in my personal life as well about the, the vaccine hesitancy. So I myself personally decided I was going to get the shot as we all should. I'm not anti-vax and I had a horrific adverse reaction to it. Mm, which... My doctor has advised me not to take the next shot mm-hmm. until we resolve the issues. That was in May and I'm still fighting them today. My other thing was I have a sister-in-law who just became an RN this past year and she got the first vaccine and she had a pulmonary embolism. Okay, yeah, I, I'm not Should sure. she lose her job because she can't be vaccinated? You know, all of these mandatory things, there are, there are exceptions to every rule. Um, with a pulmonary embolism, uh, I don't know if that's, uh, you know, if, 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 you know, sometimes things happen close by and you think it's a vaccine, it may or may not be. I don't know. I'm not a doctor and certainly not her doctor, but there, yeah. there are always exceptions to every rule, but there's a reason for the rule. And, uh, you know, it's, it's to protect people. And of course there are exceptions, but the, it's not 17 or 20% of the population. No. 
I, I agree. But there are a lot of us out there just in my immediate circle, and especially my family, there must be something in our configuration of genes that is not tolerating the vaccine very well at all. Well, which, which, and, you know, again, I, I don't Pfizer, want to... That, Pfizer is what we've had. Yeah, so I, I don't want to get into it um, because, again, I'm not a doctor. But no, like I said, every, everybody says there are exceptions to every rule. Uh, but again, it's not 20% of the population. Because right. if, I understand if the pe- and I agree. I just, right now, I feel personally so much pressure from Facebook, from Google, from the news, from in my mailbox. Get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. And I tried and I can't. Well, I mean, and now I'm going to be excluded from going to restaurants and going to gyms and going to music. And I, you're being- at the moment not excluded from anything. But but chances are that maybe you might be uh, or maybe you'll have to show proof that that you have a, uh, quote, legitimate exception, you know, um, People want to be around other people who are vaccinated. It, that's just the way it is. And that's fine. I understand that. And I believe that everybody should have a choice. I don't believe you can just say, I don't want the vaccine because I don't want it. I think that that's awful. Well, exactly. That's putting so many people at risk. But there are people, and that's what I wanted to bring to light, that legitimately can't. I tried. I had no, I, I, I completely... I Agree with you, but if those were the only people who didn't get vaccinated, we would get to herd immunity even with 90% of the population. I don't even think it's 10% of the population that has uh, reasons that they can't be vaccinated. That's the other thing, too. Just interestingly, if you try to Google adverse reactions to any vaccines right now, it'll come up and say sore arm, headache, flu-like symptoms, and that's about it. But there's so many other different things from people that I know. And anybody that says that they have a reaction from the vaccine is getting poo-pooed and shut up because they're still trying to get everybody else vaccinated. Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I've heard from people even like long before COVID who connected something that happened to them after, to some shot that, you know, may or may not be the case. But, uh, you know... Um, I agree. There are exceptions to every rule. And um, thanks for your call. And and I hope you clear your situation up, Sally. Thank you. Okay. Let's go to Bola in Niagara. Hi, Bola. Hey, how are you? Fine. How are you? Good. I just have uh, one perspective to contribute to the uh, the issue uh, of the uh, people that are vaccinated. I, I think it will be helpful if uh, some of the uh, healthcare uh, uh, workers, uh, I'll say uh, majority of uh, stories that I've heard are nurses who are anti-vaccine, spreading a false narrative about this. Uh, there are a few people around me who uh, refuse to, uh, be, uh, to, be, to get vaccinated because they believe everything some of the nurses have told them, at least if I thought that you do not like really believe or not interested in vaccinating, but at least you shouldn't at least be spreading uh, of course narratives about the material and the vaccine. Oh, well, that's make- like the Tucker Carlson. Like that's the, those are, you know, there are, 
frankly, crazy conspiracy theories out there. And I don't know who believes them. And Ebola, uh, it's, it's, it's too bad that the people around you believe these things. But um, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. Yeah, the thing about it is that, uh, you know, if, if your car has got a problem and you go to mechanic, you automatically believe what the mechanic tells you because it's a pro in that area. So the same thing, when people hear some misinformation, all kind of uh, stories, you know, from some of these healthcare providers, they believe it. And these days, all this information can be firstly spread easily by the means of social media, internet, you know. Yeah, well, I I would hope that there are. I I mean, I I I don't know of too many healthcare providers that that spread these things. Maybe uh, it's from other places. Bola, thanks for your call. Yep, there's a lot of misinformation out there, and some of it is downright dangerous. We have got to take a quick break. Let me give the numbers out again before we do that. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight back with Libby Snymer. When one considers the meaning of life, it is a struggle between alternative viewpoints of life itself. A free-for-all Friday. And without the ability to defend one's own viewpoint against other, perhaps more aggressive ideologies, then reasonableness and moderation could quite simply disappear. Name your topic and be as deep as you like, as long as there's a point in there somewhere. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back to this Free For All Friday, and uh, we are talking about vaccine hesitancy a lot, and a lot of people have a lot to say about it. And as I said, uh, you know, I just saw a report that said it's decreasing here in Canada. People are coming around, but it's still, you know, around 17%. So let's take a call from Renee in Toronto. Hi, Renee. Oh, hello, uh, Libby, and uh, very pleased uh, to be uh, thanking you uh, for the great show that you have. And Free for All Friday is one of my favorites. Okay, well, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, and, and uh, Libby, uh, the point uh, of, uh, that I'm trying to uh, portray and, and deliver right now is that uh, a lot of people uh, think that uh, vaccination is against their own uh, religions, religious beliefs or whatever, you know. But I think the, the freedom of uh, the rights and freedoms in, in Canada uh, that uh, Mr. Rob uh, Ford is, is uh, applying right now, and uh, he's uh, uh, not, accept, uh, not obligating anybody to be vaccinated if they don't want. They have the freedom of, you know. But the only thing that I, I share with a brother that lives in the United States uh, I said, you know, over there, there are different laws. Over here, I believe in that. But my point of view, I have two brothers that did not want to be vaccinated. And I have been vaccinated twice. Thank God I'm in Canada. Well, let me, you know, it's interesting that you mention this religious thing. Uh, as I mentioned in on my weekend show on Sunday, I interview a woman who was hesitant and who came around. And I mean, I don't want to get into the theology uh, because I don't totally understand it. But she said it was 
partly a religious objection, and it took her a while to come to the conclusion that actually it was not against her religion. I mean, it's a certain branch of Christianity. Um, and, and I can't imagine that any religious leader would tell you that, that it's, it's against the religion, um, except for, you know, some of them don't take any medicine. But yeah, I, I, I get it. That, uh, yeah, that uh, there are all kinds of reasons, and some people think it's against their religion, and some people believe yeah. wacky conspiracy theories. Renee, I'm really glad that you got both, both your doses. That's great. And the only thing is that uh, I want to, if may I, um, explain this, that uh, I told him, okay, I used to be um, uh, allergic to penicillin, right? Right. And then... Every time that I got the flu over here in Canada, before I get the flu, I, I consulted with my uh, family physician, and he agrees and uh, sent me for a test, and I was no longer um, allergic to penicillin. Well, you know so, what? Maybe only, you never were. Thing- that happened... Um- to my husband, for years he was told he was allergic to penicillin, and now that they had these tests, it's a very long test. I think he went yes. probably, I don't know, maybe a year and a half or two years ago. It was before the pandemic. And lo and behold, after being told for his whole life that he was allergic to penicillin, he isn't. Anyway, Renee, thanks for your call. And that, that's just another, it just shows you that all of these things, there's always evolving knowledge. Let us go to Susan in Toronto. Hi, Susan. Hi. I have a question. Sure. Um, so I understand that, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, cruise lines uh, are not accepting the mixed vaccine dose, which is fine. I mean, a vacation is always optional. And I'm sure that will be resolved very, very soon because most of the politicians received the mixed vaccine doses. But my concern is, so I received AstraZeneca back um, at, at uh, the middle of March when it first came out. Right. And when I was looking it up online, I found this, uh, a government policy, a government document that said that those of us who received it, Early March, received the the COVID the COVID Shield brand of the AstraZeneca, right. which is fine uh, because they're, they're identical. But my understanding now is that uh, some European countries, i.e., for, uh, Italy, does not accept the AstraZeneca COVID Shield. So I think so we're hit with like the double whammy, those of us, because they don't accept the COVID Shield. Okay, I th- I think uh, all of that yeah. is is going to be sorted I out. Hope in so. And yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I guess that with Italy, all I can think of is in Britain, it wasn't the COVID shield. So they don't want to shut the door to millions of British of tourists who got AstraZeneca. But they're saying, okay, COVID shield isn't good. Because, yes. and, and, you know, even the reason it's really interesting, Britain opened their borders to fully vaccinated travelers from the states that have much higher numbers than us, but not to us. And I think it's just because, frankly, uh, we're not as big a market. We're not that mm-hmm. important. They aren't really thinking about it. Shield comes from India. Maybe they want to keep people from India out because they've had bad outbreaks. Yeah. So I think all of this will be sorted out. I mean, the, the bottom line to me is that Really, if you really, really want to travel now, it's a big hassle. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> so, that, that's why nobody's going. Like, we're not planning to go. It's just like it's the Wild West out there. Anything goes. Okay. Yeah. Susan, right. thanks Thank for you. your call.
Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, who is next? Brian in Brampton. Hi, Brian. Hi, Libby. How are you? I am fine. Thank you. Oh, great. You know what? I want to thank you very very much for keeping us old fogies in the know, you know what I mean? <laughs> We're not old and, fogies. You, know, you keep me informed every day, and I listen to classical, your classification, too. Incredible what you guys are doing. Thank I'm you so much. I'm getting older. I'd like to congratulate our athletes, our Blue Jays, and our Governor General. And thank you very much, Libby. Keep it going. Okay, thanks. What a nice... Have a great uh, weekend. Uh, say hi to Lord Simcoe for me. Who is he anyway? Okay, you know what? <laughs> I have that prepared. I, I will <clears throat> give out a little bit of that information. Thanks, Brian, for your call. Right yeah. Okay, so we are going into a long weekend. All through Ontario, it's just called the August holiday. And every different place has a different person that they're honoring. So here in Toronto, it's Simcoe Day. If you go to Cambridge, it's Galt Day. And and who the heck knows what else is going on. Uh, John Grave Simcoe was the governor here before Confederation, uh, long before Confederation. It was Upper Canada. And here is little known true fact about John Grave Simcoe is that he passed the first anti-slavery law in the British Empire. It was passed on July 9th, 1793, and it wasn't a full abolition. It was a partial. It said it banned the importation of slaves, but the people who were already enslaved here continued to be slaved. But it also said that Children born to female slaves had to be freed when they reached the age of 25, a half measure for sure, but the first one. And on Sunday, um, the slavery app, um, we celebrate Emancipation Day, which for the first time is a national holiday. And that is when the Slavery Abolition Act finally came into effect throughout the British Empire, and that was August the 1st, 1834. So in the States, it happened a long time later, after the Civil War. And uh, here in Ontario, the first part of it happened, um, uh, it happened before 1834. It happened in 1793. The person responsible for that was John Graves Simcoe. And here in Toronto, Monday, is Simcoe Day. So um, that's just interesting information. Let us get back to the show. Let me give the numbers out again. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to Sharon in Clifford. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Libby. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Go ahead. I was calling... Yeah, I was calling... Uh, in in reference to one of your previous uh, listeners who said, I'm one of those people that nobody wants to hear about. I had an extremely bad reaction to my first dose of COVID-19 uh, Pfizer vaccine. Mm-hmm. I ended up in the hospital. I had vomiting and nausea, a horrendous headache, and blood pressure that went through the roof that they were having great difficulty in lowering. And that was back in April. Mm-hmm. And did, did, they say, did they say that was from the vaccine? Yes. I had an allergist check it out. And the allergist told me that 
He had one other patient who had the same reaction that I did. And that they had great difficulty in lowering my blood pressure. Now, three months later in July, I had a CT scan of my lungs. And they now have discovered that there is an aneurysm on the aorta that would have been caused by high blood pressure. Hmm. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. So I wish that if I was going to take the vaccine, that I had hoped that it would have occurred to me that maybe I should get a um, check for allergies. But it didn't occur to me. Hmm. Well, um, I, I, I don't argue that, you know, with, with every single drug on the planet, there, there can be adverse reactions. And I don't uh, deny that those exist, certainly not. And uh, I hope you're feeling better, Sharon. I feel great, but I'm probably going to have to go in and have open-heart surgery now. Yeah, but the, did they say the aneurysm uh, was because of the vaccine, or did they find it because you had this other reaction? No, they found it just because um, I had had uh, a lung remo- a lung lobe removed in January. This was just a checkup thing. Okay, the well, there, there, there you go. The, the aneurysm, uh, and uh, good luck with that surgery, was probably not related to the vaccine. It actually was. It was? Okay. Yes, well, was. Um, good luck with all of that, Sharon. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Let me give the numbers out again. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-744-740. We've been talking about the vaccines and vaccine hesitancy. There are other topics. Uh, we talked about food waste and a new app where you can call Too Good to Go and you can get discounted food that really you have to eat right away, more or less. Uh, and I actually tried it and I got some uh, very fancy organic chicken at a discounted price and I just had to cook it that day or the day after. Uh, We also had that dangerous driving survey that got people talking yesterday. Most of us have seen dangerous driving, and more than half of us admit to some dangerous driving. And as I said, the other half are probably lying. So there you go. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to Louise in Toronto. Hi, Louise. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. And I love your show, by the way. Thank you. Every day. Um, And sorry, going back to the vaccine, I am fully vaccinated, as is my husband. Both my children, who are fully grown, um, have decided to fall to the conspiracy and said, no, I'm not doing it. And they said, they said to me, you know, mom, what do you think of that? And I said, well, if you don't want to, then you have to accept the consequences of your decision. And if the consequences go south, then say hi to grandma for me. Oh, well, um, yeah, there, there are going to be other consequences because, you know, I know that most of the people I know, we only want to be around vaccinated people. And uh, so I think that there's going to be social consequences for people who are not vaccinated. And Absolutely. I think the government is going to have to relent 
on some of that vaccine passport stuff. I think there will be shows they won't be able to go to uh, and other consequences. You know, I was I was just seeing somewhere, you know, weddings are resuming weddings that were canceled or postponed. And, uh, you know, uh, brides and grooms are some of them are going to ask that their guests be vaccinated. So, you know, you might be disinvited from a wedding or a party or a show. Yeah, and they won't be. They probably will not be able to travel. And so, yeah, I mean, when I go and see my my boys and their families, I wear a mask. You know, even though I'm fully vaccinated, I want to protect them because I could have it, not know it, give it to them. And but you know, I've said to them, like this conspiracy stuff is exactly that. It's conspiracy, and you really need to take a reality check. And you know, and I said. I respect your decision, but yeah, if the consequences go way south, you accept that. And they said, okay, fair enough, Mom. Yeah, I mean, I've seen watching American television, I've seen a couple of cases where people who refuse the vaccine because they believe that stuff are suddenly in critical condition, begging for something, anything that can save them and, you know, not expected to survive. Yeah, and it's too late. I mean, when you're about to go on to a ventilator, sorry, but you are too late for that. You know, and a friend of mine, actually, he he got both vaccines, and he said to me, I would rather get the vaccine and die trying than not do anything and die anyway. And I thought that was very, very poignant that, you know, at least we're trying, you know, and if it kills us, at least I die trying. That's the way I look at it. Well, you know what? Um, Maybe your kids will come around. Let's hope so. Maybe. Anyway, keep up the great great show. Love it. Listen to it every day and have a great long weekend. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, I have to take another break. Let me give the numbers out again before we go to break. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we'll be right back. We're talking about vaccine hesitancy. We're going into a long weekend. Things are a little open. Are you going to do anything different on the long weekend? And uh, what about that dangerous driving survey? What do you have to say about that when we come back? You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer. A free-for-all Friday. Step up, say your piece, and we promise not to interrupt. Just be lively about it. We have a lot of listeners hanging on your every word. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back to this Free For All Friday as we head into a long weekend here in Toronto. Uh, we celebrate John Graves Simcoe, who brought in the first Anti-Slavery Act in the British Empire. And on Sunday, a national holiday now or a national day, Emancipation Day, and that was the day that slavery was abolished in the entire British Empire. That was years after. That was 1834. John Graves Cinco brought his law in 1793. And a lot more things are open. Do you have any big plans doing something different than something that you 
had done for the last year or so. Are you planning to eat indoors, see friends, whatever? We'd like to hear about it. And what about that driving survey from yesterday? I'm going to start with a call about that. Brian in Caledon. Thanks, Libby, for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, This is going back to a survey that you were talking about back in January 2020. Boy, you have a good memory. You were talking about the privileged drivers and, you know, with high-end cars and who was the worst. Right. I I drive for a tire wholesaler. I go from Kitchener to Pickering, north to Keswick, everywhere. Of the high-end drivers, I must say the worst are Audi drivers. Uh, Audi drivers? There are so many of them, you know. It seems like, I don't know if it's special to Toronto, but I most of the cars I see uh, where I drive downtown are, are Audis. So, you know, maybe it's just most drivers because yeah, there are well, so I, many of those things. Yeah, I see it downtown on the highways everywhere. And of the regular cars that people drive, like the lower-end price cars, I would say Hondas are the next worst. Hondas are the next worst. I know people who who say, first of all, guys driving four by fours are the worst. Well, I I don't know about that. I drive a four by four myself. Oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, that and I mean the survey, hundred percent. Everybody who's done something dangerous and stupid over their lives, I have, I know. So. The 55-45 thing, the 45% are lying. <laughs> I agree. Sure. And and I will admit, you know, there have been occasions when I've done stupid things on the road. Yeah. Well, we all have, and it's, uh, you know, you just got to admit it and try to be careful. One yeah. Other, one other thing that kind of bugs me, a lot of these people aren't maintaining their cars properly. People cut you off, and then you find out it's because their signals don't work. Brake lights are out. It's crazy out there. Okay, well, yeah, those are offenses, um, but I guess there aren't enough people around uh, to enforce them. That's yeah. right. Yeah, keep All your right. car maintained. Thank you for that, Brian. Thanks, Libby. Take care. All the best. Okay, bye-bye. Let us go to Mark in Cambridge. Hello, Mark. Hello, how are you? Fine, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm a first-time caller. Okay, so, wait, uh, wait. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Took me a while to get on the phone. Uh, my point is, I'm a courier, and I drive anywhere from Windsor, GTA, Concord, Vaughan, Scarborough, and now, right now, I'm in Cambridge. And I just pulled over and stopped. Uh, the drivers are unbelievable, but I don't think most of them personally have been trained properly from the start. I'm not saying they're all bad. I am no perfect driver, that's for sure. But speed has a lot to do with it. Um, a lot of people not using their mirrors has a lot to do with it. I've seen a car sandwiched between two transport trucks. Oh, God, that's uh, I wouldn't do that. I've seen, yeah, I've, I've seen many accidents, but I've been able to not be in one personally. But that's only because I've been trained defensively. I also ride a motorcycle, and I've been riding that for 20 years, and I know... With the motorcycle, you've got to watch everybody else around you. I had a lady cut me off just about an hour ago in Scarborough. Didn't even check, didn't even put a signal on. All of a sudden, she got caught on an on-ramp, and it was the end of the on-ramp, and she just pulled over right 
right into traffic. Now, no accident happened, thank God. But I think a lot to do is training and time on the road with training. Yeah, and we all need a car. We all need to get around. But I don't know what the driving schools are like nowadays. I mean. I mean, face uh, it, most people went to driving school when they were 16 years old. Yes. So they've forgotten rules of the road change. I, I think, personally, that's that's a problem because I think a lot of people just don't know the rules of the road. But if you're trying to get out of an on-ramp real fast, um, that's not the issue. No, no. Also, speed has a lot to do with it because the on-ramp, if you're going to uh, drive onto uh, oncoming traffic, you've got to be up to par with the speed. Now, most of the ramps have been changed, so they're long enough. But still, people are going on. They're doing 70, 70 kilometers of traffic beside them. is doing 120. Well, yeah. And they're trying to get on. So, yeah, except uh, the speed limit on those ramps is uh, often 60. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, I won't go into that too far because there's one big point I want to make. Uh, I was on my four, uh, way to Bradford, 403 West Hamilton, and uh, going up the um, up past the link, it's called, and I was doing 110. Traffic was passing me, so I'm doing 120. There was an OPP officer in a group of us to be about 20 cars, let's say. We were all doing just under 130, all the Whoa. way to Brantford. Now, the problem That's I too have, fast. I got on... Excuse me? That's too fast. I know it's too fast. So I got on a radio show, I won't mention it, and on... Yeah, I almost did. Anyways, I got on a radio show in Hamilton. That very moment, I was on Bluetooth. I explained it. The Hamilton chief of police was on. And I just asked a question. Like, how come? Like, we were safe. Nobody got in an accident, but we shouldn't be doing 130. You're right, and you shouldn't. Then I got caught short on the show, so... <laughs> you got cut off? Well, you're lucky uh, yeah. you didn't, you're lucky you didn't get call, a big ticket. Still. Mark in Cambridge, thanks for your call. Yeah, lucky he didn't get a ticket. On with the police chief. Now that's brassy. <laughs> you're, you're advertising your offense uh, when people are right there. Anyway, Andrew in Trenton. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Libby. Yeah, talk about brassy. I, I was just going to say to you, I'm, uh, I'm hands up, the guy careless driving out there. Um, but I will tell you, and I've driven the roads for 24 years every day, all day, and at least 75% of the people that witness careless driving, they are the author of my careless driving. They're sitting in passing lanes, barely doing the speed limit, and even if they are, that's their justification to drive like they are. But get out of the way. Pull over, get out of the way. you got a kilometer and a half of people behind you, and, and you're making everybody upset because you're not doing the proper speed limit in the right lane. Right. But, uh, but if, you, if you talk to the cops, they will tell you that a lot of the bad collisions, and I'm not going to call them accidents, are people going too fast. Uh, it's true. There are people who go too slow, but there are also people who go too fast, and that is a bigger cause of injury. It is, Libby, but I'm going too fast because you're going too slow. Well, how does that work? Well, it, you're in a passing lane. You shouldn't be there 
going slower than people beside you. I'm not in a passing lane. No, not you. (laughs) But the people I see are in a a passing lane. Okay, that's the one on the left on a four-lane highway, right? Right. You, You shouldn't be in that lane if you're just doing the speed limit. Half the people want to justify it by saying, I'm doing the speed limit. But even if they're doing one kilometer over the speed limit, now they're breaking law too. But what gives them the right to tell me how fast I need? I have to go? Well, so there are laws me. about the, the speed that you should be going. But anyway, yeah. Andrew, thanks for your call. Uh, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, the way someone described it is that there are a lot of people who think the speed limits are suggestions. <laughs> well, they're not. They are the rules. They're the law. And yesterday we had Raymond Chan from the Canadian Automobile Association. And he said, you know, most people don't understand what constitutes stunt driving. And some of the speeds that I've been hearing here, I mean, they could result in in very big fines because they are way over the limit. We have time for a few more calls. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. The last few calls have been about that driving survey where 55% admitted to dangerous driving habits. Been hearing from uh, professional drivers who like to go above the speed limit. But let us hear from Doreen in Kingston. Hello, Doreen. Oh, well, hello, Debbie, again. It's uh, Libby, yes. uh, Libby, sorry. <laughs> Listen, um, I wanted to uh, throw an idea out there. I have the local uh, police number and the OPP in in my Bluetooth, so that when I see somebody uh, doing an infraction, um, I just have to connect with my Bluetooth. I don't have to pull over and pick up my phone or whatever. But I wanted to share an experience just last week. There was a driver uh, in a truck who was um, just a little bit behind me on the right-hand side. He had a dog in his lap, his left arm out the window with a cigarette in it. So he's got one hand on the wheel, dog in his lap, the other one out the window. And I stopped at the line for the yellow light. And by the time he got up to me, the light was red, and he just floored it through the red light. Uh, yeah, I would say that's a problem, and you were lucky to avoid him, and uh, he didn't cause a crash or anything, did he? Yeah, and uh, so I, I, because I got the uh, the uh, local police number in my phone, uh, I was able to um, call them right away and give them his license number and his description. Uh-huh, and do you do that often? All the time. Hmm. All the time. On the 401, I've got the OPP. Hmm. On there. And do they so, follow up usually? Oh yes, they're they they they're very interested in uh, in those situations. Yeah, she said that. Uh, I said if there had been a car, because I was driving the same way as he was, side by side, and if there had been a car coming through the green light in the other direction, there's no way he could have avoided an accident. Okay. So they were they were pretty excited about uh, getting the information to get in touch with them. Okay, thank and, you, Doreen. Just just a little quick note for the truck driver. I see so many people driving in uh, uh, the lanes, uh, holding up the truck drivers, and um, there's no way the truck driver can get over in the other lane to go by them because there's too much traffic. So I can understand uh, that causing uh, because. 
uh, I see too many uh, slow drivers in, in the fast lane. Anyways, on that note, I will let you go. But, uh, yeah, I thought I would throw my idea out there and see who else would want to pick it up. Okay. Okay. Thanks. So is that something you would do? Um, you know, people are encouraged to call if they see dangerous driving on the road, uh, but you can't always do that if uh, you have to pull over and get your phone out. Uh, and uh, is that something that you necessarily want to be doing? All of those are big questions. Uh, you have to drive defensively these days. There's absolutely no question about that. That dangerous driving survey was really quite interesting. And again, I'm saying the people who didn't fess up to doing some kind of dangerous driving themselves, well, they probably are just lying or lying to themselves. And uh, it's interesting that Drivers who admit to going way too fast, which causes a lot of the collisions, are blaming people who drive too slowly. I mean, sometimes these days there's so much construction and that that it's uh, you might go slowly just kind of to see what you're coming up against because it's not the usual highway. There's another closed lane. All of those things make it really, really, really difficult to get around in a car these days days. And I'm looking at the clock and we are coming to an end of fight back for today and for the week. The big topic was vaccine hesitancy, that topic not going away. And again, as a program note, on Sunday on Zoomer Week in Review right here at noon, I will interview a woman who changed her mind, and maybe you can get some tips if you're trying to change the minds of friends or family members. In the meantime, we're going into a long weekend. Everybody have a great one. I'm taking a few days. I will be back here on Wednesday, and that's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.